us down to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from the island of Misfit Toys, it is now time for the last comic shop! It's Charlie in the box! That's right. We're opening up this shop to newbies to help them find their way underneath the comic book tent. I didn't realize the shop was moving. How are people going to find us if we're always moving? That's why you use the comic book finder, I guess. There you go. And we're keeping the lights on for all those other Misfit Toys. Be they shoot jelly... Oh, it's a cowboy that rides an ostrich. <laughs> man, he'd be good at joust. He would be. That's seriously the first thing I thought of when I saw that as a kid. I'm like, he plays a lot of joust. He must. <laughs> I'm the host of The Most, Danny Larson, and I'm joined by Chad Smith, who plays a lot of joust with me over the years. It's one of our favorite arcade games of all time. And uh, J.A. Scott, who, I, I don't know, are you a big Joust fan, too? Or are you? did you never get into the Joust? I was, but it was not my favorite game. I was more of the Deadly Discs of Tron. <laughs> that is a fun one. Did they play that with the, the, the trackball? Trackball. Yes. Ah. Trackball game. Any of those trackball games, they were some of the best arcade games out there. I loved any time you would go to the arcade and they'd give you something other than the joystick. Whether it was sitting in the cockpit for, like, you know, the Star Wars game or, you know, like, Excite Bike where you had to get on the bike. Afterburner. Afterburner was, like, the first arcade game that I played that was you sat inside and it moved. Remember, it would go side to side and up and down a little bit as you were flying your... Your F-14. Right. Although I, I I do remember the day that, that, that J.A. first played Daytona 500. And he was like, okay, fine. This is where my college tuition is going to go from now. He's going to play this. <laughs> you want to race me? Because I want to race again. It was like crap for me. I just need to play some more of this Daytona. Fine. I don't, ha- I don't have a problem. Sit down and race again. Everyone yeah. loved that first track. The second track on Daytona was such crap. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know they had other tracks. I just got schooled by you so much that I just walked away in utter disgust most of the time. So, But one thing that we also do on this show is read comic books, not just talk about arcade games or Christmas movies from years past. And on this week's show, we've got a great one for you. Uh, it says, Promised. I think uh, several shows ago, back when we were reviewing the Eisner Award winners, we said we were going to review this because it was an Eisner Award nominee. And that is J.A.'s pick, which is The Many Deaths of Lila Starr. We're not going to get to that one just yet because we've got some Christmas talk. Yes, as the holiday season continues to roll along here at the last comic shop, we want to get into that Yuletide spirit. And so I thought that I would ask my co-hosts this week if they could go back to, you know, their childhood and uh, collect or revisit one of their favorite Christmas toys that they found underneath the Christmas tree one those December 25th, what would it be? And uh, we're going to go ahead and start off with Jay Scott. So, J.A., what was a... Uh, a ghost of Christmas past that you would want to revisit. 
the question is toy because the Christmas that I remember the most is the Christmas that I got a new dashboard for my Saab. <laughs> <laughs> And anyone who has a Saab 900 or had a Saab 900 knows what a big deal it is when you get a, I got a completely new dashboard without any cracks, which was rare on a 900. It was going into my 88 SPG. And my dad had wrapped the old dashboard, but he had put all these other bits of wood in it. So it made it look like it was not the shape of the dashboard. And then he told me that it was a mop for my mom. And then story. when I opened it, I was like, wait a minute, this isn't a mop, this is, is this a dashboard? But it's my, and then you could just see my, the, the gears clicking, 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 because my car had been at the shop. And my father said, oh, sorry, I couldn't pick your car up today. They didn't get to it. But in reality, they were taking the old dashboard, putting in the new dashboard. And that was the start of uh, the Saab Stealth 2.0. When my SPG got repainted and, and cleaned up and everything. So that's yeah. probably my most memorable Christmas. Toy-wise, I would have to go with... Uh, there was two years where you, Andrew, and I both got the same toy from our aunt. Yeah, I And it was... We had... One year it was... We both got G.I. Joe Havocs. Right. Which is a badass toy. It doesn't make a lick of sense. It's on tracks. No. And it's got like that... The hover car. Uh, and, hover car and, thing. And yeah. I mean, it, the pilot lies down on his belly and to drive this thing, and it's a tank with these big guns, but yet the canopy is all glass. So <laughs> he wouldn't survive very long if he was in a battle. And and the other year, and this is probably the, the toy I'm thinking of the most, was the turtle van. Yes, the party van. Turtle party van with the swing outdoor. Right! I did like the Havoc a lot more than the party van, but I do have fond memories, because that was the year they bought stock and Playmates that year, because we got, like, the sewer base and, like, all a bunch of other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures. It was the final days of the toy era for us, and so, like, that was our our final farewell to childhood, was getting those Ninja Turtles. Chad? So this is a tough one, because I can remember unwrapping, like, He-Man toys and Castle Grayskull and I remember getting the three packs of the Marvel uh, Secret Wars toys, and those were all great. But the, the story that springs to mind is the one year where I was like, oh, man, Santa forgot something. And it was, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Nintendo game. Okay. Which I got the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Nintendo game back in the days when the arcade game was out. And I just didn't understand in my you know eight-year-old brain or nine-year-old brain that they were going to be totally different games. And so I couldn't imagine my disappointment with that first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game where it's like, wait a minute, this is this is not what I expected at all. And so fast forward, it might have been a year or two, they released the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle arcade game for Nintendo. And uh, that was the one thing on my list that I was like, oh, man, I can't wait till Santa brings that. I can't wait till Santa brings that. We had in my family, we would do gifts at both sets of grandparents' house. We'd do presents on Christmas morning at my house, you know, go through all that. And I got tons of great stuff, but I was spoiled rotten, you know, but I was still like, oh man, Santa missed the one that I wanted, <laughs> you know? And like, it's like, uh, you know, the magic is like, it's just torn up just a little bit. And uh, sure enough, we went to my aunt Norma's house and uh, she's like, oh, uh, Santa left something here for you. And it was that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. Aww. And it was like, oh, the magic is real. Like, <laughs> 
I've just restored all of my faith and all of that stuff. So it was like it was your Red Rider BB gun. It was behind. It, it was behind the piano the whole time. Exactly. It was hiding at Aunt Norma's house. That's one that sticks with me. Just you know, it just reinforced. Like, no, it, yeah, of course Santa wouldn't forget that. I mean, come on, he's Santa. Yeah. Well, my Christmas uh, memory is is actually a. One of my earliest memories from a Christmas. Um, it was the Christmas of 1982. I was like three or four years old, probably. And and I just have memories of this was the first year that Masters of the Universe was a thing. And my, my parents were ahead of the curve. Because that Christmas, they went to some place. And they got uh, a Castle Grayskull for me. You know, this was before Castle Grayskull was a thing, before before the cartoon show, before everything. It was just like, this was just another toy. And so they got this, and it came with Battle Cat, and it came with four figures. J.A., which four figures do you think it came with? You were there. I don't know if you remember, but you were there. Which four figures did it come with? Uh, He-Man, Tila, okay. Skeletor, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Man-at-Arms, mm-hmm. no. Uh, it, it came with He-Man and Tila, and it came with Stratos, the winged warrior, and it came with Beastman. Beastman was your bad guy. So, like, when I first started playing with Masters of the Universe, I didn't even know of Skeletor. It wasn't until uh, months later that my dad took me to a service merchandise and I got my first Skeletor. And even then, I was just like, who's this guy? He's all blue and he's got a skull face. I don't, I don't get it. And then it turns out it was Skeletor and he was a big deal. But for me, like, Beastman... Yeah, that was the guy. That was the guy. He was the real bad one. He was the bad one. Actually, one of the better He-Man action figures, because he had the furry orange hair. Yeah. That was the one nice thing about all the, I mean, in later years, it it got a bit much, but each one of them always had a little gimmick, like Stinkor. Yeah, I was going to say, Beastman was was still Mossman. No, Mossman was great. Which was just Beast Man, flocked green, <laughs> dipped in pine slaw. No, still my favorite ones. They're always the ones that like are kind of weird, but like not too weird. Like Triclops, I love Triclops. He's awesome. Manny Faces, awesome. I think yeah. I might have played with Cobra Khan the most because he was the guy that had the squirter. Yes, he was the constant tub companion. Like he, he right. always had. Isn't there like an elephant head one? Yes. Oh, yeah. Snout spout. Yes. Originally, it was called hose head, and then they thought that was dirty. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just remember that. Getting in on the ground floor of Masters of the Universe, and it has spawned my love of Masters of the Universe since. I could have talked about the fact that I got, like, that Sega Master System that one year when I really wanted a Nintendo, and they tried to play it off that they were like, yeah, it's got 3D glasses and... A much cooler light gun, and it had better graphics, but, like, nobody was playing it. So, like, I was, just, like, the only person in town that couldn't trade games with anybody, because I had... And it came with two built-in games that took us, like, an hour and a half to figure out that they were built into the system. Yeah, you, we, we tore up the living room looking for this cartridge, and it turns out it was actually in the system the whole time. It was Hang On, and J.A. played the hell out of Hang On. Again, back to the whole driving thing J.J. just likes driving stuff <laughs> he's our ryan gosling and drive anyways so yeah those are our holiday uh stories hope you all enjoyed them 
We'll be right back with more Last Comic Shop after these commercial breaks. Make sure that you leave us comics out on our Twitter page, at Last Comic Shop. What was one of your favorite Christmas gifts as a youngin'? Do you like comic books? Do you like comic book movies and TV shows? How about movie and TV reviews? If I just described you, good news! You can get all of the movie and TV reviews you're looking for with a good dose of witty banter and fun thrown into the mix by checking out Paperweight Entertainment. Join Derek and Ian every Friday for TV reviews on the Paperweight Entertainment podcast and join Ian and Colonel Bob every Wednesday for the Silver Screen Scoundrel movie reviews. Find out more information about both shows at paperweightentertainment.com. Cartoon Dumpster Dive. I'm your host, Joel. And I'm your host, Andrew. Join us as we travel back in time to watch the garbage cartoons from your past. Will you remember them? Maybe. We painstakingly watch every episode of these cartoons to remind you that, hey, some things belong in the past. Our pain is your entertainment. Thanks for tuning in. Alright, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Pile Review. Yes, that time of every single show where we're going to talk about death. Because that's real festive. Hey, it's season. It is the season for... For making sure that you remember those that have passed before. Well, there you go. Yeah, why not? Hey, it's getting close to the new year and old acquaintance be forgot and all that other stuff and the old Lang Zines. Yeah, that's that's happening too. But in any case, we're going to talk about many deaths. Many deaths of Lila Starr on this week's show. Uh, it's J.A.'s pick and like a lot of repower reviews that we've done on other shows, this actually was birthed out of a recommendation way back in the day. Jay was like, I read this book and it was awesome. And I was just like, okay, well let's read that as a group. So Chad, uh, who did the many deaths of Lila star? Okay. So this was a five issue mini series coming out of boom studios, uh, published originally in 2021. And so it's written by Rom V with art by Philippe Andre. Color Assist by Inez Amaro. Letters by Anne World Designs. And, and this was up for, um, what, Best Limited Series at the 2022 Eisners? And it it lost to, um, I know, oh, it, it lost to Good Asian, which we also reviewed on this particular show. Which was also a pick of mine. Yeah. Look at you! It's almost like you know something about comic books once in a while. <laughs> surprisingly surprisingly well you have it on this podcast and uh do you know a lot about this comic book let's see if you do with the 10 cent synopsis so lila star is a incarnation of death who is kicked out of the heaven or where where the gods live basically because they get sick of her because somebody else wants her her corner office and there's a lot of office politics going on with the gods the death comes down to earth essentially to kill a baby who's going to grow up and discover the cure to death and make all humans immortal. Okay. And you get this moment in the first issue where she's holding the baby and it's, it's literally the, you know, what would you do if you could kill Hitler when he was a baby or kill some horrible person in, in, in life. And, but it's the baby. It's not the grown adult and she can't do it. And then what you get is five issues of sort of her going through watching this baby, Darius, grow up to be a boy and then a man and then an older man. And she dies a lot 
<laughs> kind of because she's clumsy, but also because every time she dies, she comes back and she learns a little bit. And the god of life is bringing her back. And apparently, towards the end, he's like, you know, I had to give up a little things. I, I don't have access to the copy machine anymore. <laughs> uh, and and ultimately, it's it's a story of sort of, uh, you know, what's the point of life and immortality and and death and life. It, it's a very nice story, I thought. Okay. That's, that's the 10 cent synopsis. There you go. One thing that I wanted to say is uh, when I first picked up this book, I was amazed by the colors. You know what the book reminded me of? And I had to see whether or not it was done by the same color artist. It reminded me of the colors I used to see in Paper Girls. Remember how in Paper Girls they used really... A lot of purples. Purples and blues. Pastels. Yeah, pinks. The blues were not true blues. They were more like a pastel blue. It was very a light touch on some of these things. Usually that's J.A.'s M.O. is to immediately go to the color palette. But that was the first thing I thought when I saw this. I was just like, ooh, this color palette is something different. Now, I've got some other thoughts about this particular book, one of which is it's a book that needs a lot of unpacking. Like, I I got what eventually this book was about. But I can't lie that by the end of it, I was kind of like, "What, what what did I just do? Because, like, I'm not going to give away how the book ends, because I think you should read it. But when I got to the end of issue five, I was like, oh, that? That was it? That was all that this many deaths of Lila Star led to? Is 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 that? And I don't know, guys. Maybe you can help me unpack it. What did you guys think? Like, going on a trip, sometimes it's the journey, not the destination, that makes it worthwhile. And I think that The Many Deaths of Lila Star is a comic book sort of embodiment of that. It's more about Lila's journey and what she goes through trying to figure out how to kill this person or not kill this person or or get back to heaven or, or dealing with the fact that she's been death for so long. It feels very much like the writer was maybe going through the journey of himself, dealing with death. I think sort of the overall plot is quite simple and simplistic, but that to say that would also sort of take away from how beautifully it's told. Okay. I I think that that's, that's right in in some respects, just simply because again, it's not really a, I mean, it's in part about this guy that develops immortality, but that's kind of like a MacGuffin that they kind of, just push to the side after a while. I mean, heck, it's in a shoebox and you don't even see what it is. It's like the gold briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Like, what's in there? Like, and 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 maybe that's that's what it's about is this person that was death learning what death really is. Maybe it's going from an abstract thing to even death, who's you know supposed to be the embodiment of it, to something that's like more concrete. As she sees the life of this one guy unfold, and at the end, spoiler yeah, it, alert, even he dies. Like he, I think it's actually more, at least for me, it was more that. It was her teaching this Darius character, you know, why death is so important. And death at one point is, I think I drove him to create immortality and put me out of a job. But then, it, you know, at the end, you know, there's that, that poetry, that poetic moment where things, you know, come full circle. But uh, for me, I I enjoyed this quite a bit. 
I, I really did love the art. The Philippe Andre art is something I would never say no to a Philippe Andre book. But I, I worried parts of this were too cool for me. It's like having that conversation with the people that are, are way cooler than you are. And it's like, oh, I, I don't belong in this conversation. I'm just going to go <laughs> over there. <laughs> like when they're, they're talking about how you know, life is like a cigarette. It's meant to be smoked. And like, ah, f*** you. No, I I won't lie. I'm going to say it was at moments a little borderline pretentious to that point. It was like coffee shop existential stuff. But but I feel like there there is a counterbalance to that. So I'm not going to completely dismiss that as just like, oh, let's go and sit around and talk about Sartre and and discuss the metamorphosis and Camus and all that other stuff. You know, they, right? It, and honestly, like I I would dig some of that the, like more. And so I I feel bad because this it was very well done. You know, but there were just little ticks that personally, like when I got to them, I'd just be like, oh, no, this this sucks. And it wasn't anything to do with the quality of the book. It was just my personal reaction to it. And so I I worry on this one. You guys are going to judge me because it was it was okay. My my question is, and we didn't she dies, I think, in every issue. She dies like six times. I mean, she walks in front of a bus dies in the fire that of the Chinese temple. Uh, I think she falls out of a building at one point. And life keeps bringing her back. Obviously, that's, I, want, I don't want to say a gimmick, but that's, you know, sort of the, the one of the driving factors to push the story forward. But do you think that there's more to a point than that? Just that she's brought back? Is, is she meant to learn every time she's done? Yes, I, I agree with that. I, I Honestly, it's going to go hand in hand with my recommendation later on. And a spoiler alert for that, I'm, I'm going to recommend The Christmas Carol. And I really feel like this was kind of like in some ways Death's Christmas Carol. I seriously think that God was trying to teach her a lesson. Maybe a lesson in humility. Maybe a lesson in how her role actually impacts the universe Maybe it has become abstract. Maybe she's been doing it for so long that it becomes like, yeah, 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 I'm just doing this thing. It's not, it's, it's going to be perfectly fine for me to kill this baby because, like, I kill lots of people. And then when she actually has to do it, and I guess somebody brings it up, she's like, yeah, you're going to have mortal thoughts now. Like, that's going to change your perspective on what people do. It's like losing somebody that you love. And in death, it's no longer an abstract. It's like, no, that means it has meaning to me now. Like, I understand what it is. Right. You can't have life without death. When you lose that balance, things stop mattering. Uh, All that stuff, blah, 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 blah. But what got me was how every time she would die, they'd be like, oh, it's eight years later. The only thing that would change would be the character of Darius. Everything else still looked exactly the same. Like, there was no adjustment in the timeline. There was nothing done to make it feel like, oh, it's been 12 years since the last death of Lila Star. Oh, it's been 26 years since the last death, other than Darius is older now. Yeah. And, like, there weren't things of that time. I felt like that was a missed opportunity to play with some of those cultural things as death learns why death is so important. So uh, the other question I had is, like, if she lost her job, like, was, was nobody dying? Because, like, she wasn't there anymore, right? So, like, did nobody die for, like, 80 years? Like, nobody was dead. Like, nobody did. And, like... Well, I, I, I like, got the sense that... It, not so much that people weren't dying, is that she was really... They're more like paper pushers. 
they're like these uh, these people that work at the IRS, and they're just you know taking the file here and moving it there, taking the file there, moving it here. Maybe not the IRS. Don't come after me for taxes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there were still funerals and stuff. So right. I imagine yeah. people were dying in a conventional sense. It's just different meeting, or maybe they had a temp in the job. Because one of the my favorite issues of this entire series was actually the second issue. That was the one that meant the most to me. And it was the story about when Darius was a young boy. There was a worker that came to his house. And you could tell that, he, I don't know if his parents were too busy for him or whatever, but he really bonded with this this worker. He said he was like, it was almost like he was made of the earth. Kind of reminded me of like Ben Grimm or something, the Iron Giant or something. Somebody from, you know, when you're a kid and you see somebody that's really tall and whatever, they seem like they, they dwarf the sun. Because they're so big to you. And this person was looked down upon because of the culture that they're... Maybe he was one of the... Do they still have that in India with... The the caste system. The caste system. I guess that's where they were going with that. And um, he dies. And so Darius runs away to see his funeral. And, And it is true. Like, death does show up every single time he loses somebody. And and that becomes a trope. And also, I mean, there's... Ram V's writing, there's some great dialogue. So I think it's one of the stories. She's been smoking cigarettes and she dies, obviously, a couple of times. And then the the god of life offers her a cigarette towards the end of one issue after he's just brought her back. And she's like, no, those things will kill you. <laughs> no, there was another good line right at the beginning when they first sack death and they send her back down to Earth and she's like, oh, somebody else wants my corner office. It's taxes, isn't it? It's taxes. And I was just like, oh, the death and the taxes. Uh, yeah, I I mean, it's clever. I just, I, I, I'm struggling. When I first went into this book, when you were explaining it to me, J.A., about she's lost this job and whether she can go down to Earth and kill this child and i just thought it was going to be something different than we ultimately got at the end of the day i think it was about like acceptance of death as a part of natural life and and i I still don't get the ending and again i keep on alluding to it and i'm not going to spoil it but i I just i didn't find the ending was very satisfying in my opinion i don't know what i was looking for but i I, death came to live with him for a while i don't i i love the ending i thought this was a perfect five issues you know you're tired of of sign of superhero comics and you need a break from all of that you want to read something that's really well written beautifully drawn lovely colors uh, a nice encapsulated story yes you might need to smoke a cigarette or two yes you might need to go to the coffee shop and and speak with the the exchange students who are much cooler than you <laughs> <laughs> can wear those skinny jeans and actually pull it off oh f- those skinny jeans <laughs> I, I i did i did want to say though that i think even more than the ram v writing in this the i i i really did enjoy a lot of the art again the scene where she's drowning and there's just a bunch of hands that come up and and pull her underwater i thought that was a great visual um there were a couple times when the visuals really captured me and i was wondering whether you guys had any particular moments that you felt this book was was powerful from a visual standpoint well it's just andre is he's so great with faces 
there's so much emoting going on in the faces here. And he's one of those artists that's, you know, he's okay to take things to that abstract level. It, it does a good job of tugging at the appropriate strings that it wants to tug at. It's just any time people are laughing or smiling or scowling, you can really feel it every time. He's so good at that kind of stuff. I think it's less one, like, wow panel or or page and more just a culmination of all of them coming together because he doesn't have a lot of single page panels i mean there'll be some pages where it's like a half page panel or a three quarters page panel but there's not a lot of spreads there are a lot of panels where there's no word bubbles or thought bubbles or text and it's just usually lila star reacting to something or thinking and you can you you feel like you're inside her head. You can see what she's going through or what she's dealing with. To that point, again, one of my favorite exchanges is it comes in issue four where Darius first confronts death. She, he figures out who Lila Star is and he's like, oh, you always come when people die in my life. You came when my friend died when I was real little you came when my other friend died when I was in my 20s. Now you come when my wife dies. And you always come after they have passed. And there's just this scene where he grabs her by the shoulders. And the colors, he's completely charcoal gray. And he's got red eyes. And he actually looks more like death. The lack of color, the lack of emotion, the lack of anything. And he's grabbing her, who's almost like full of like vibrant pink. So it's like a flip-flopping of the roles. And so those were kind of the things that I caught from this particular book. My question is, it wasn't like a fight club thing where we think it's Lila Star dying and it's important people in Darius's life that are actually the ones being hit by the cars or burned in the buildings. Oh. No, I think it is really Lila Star, but <laughs> other people are dying at the same time as Lila Star. My question was, do, I think it's interesting that they cast lila star as a 16 year old so usually when you're that age you're a teenager life is nothing but in front of you so young so vibrant so not ready for the life that is coming to us and to juxtapose that with somebody that's literally been around for eternity since things started to die but yet also not in touch with any of it right that's another thing right when you're 16 you think that you're immortal you can't die right you're a teenager right, nothing yeah. can hurt you everything you feel is like 211 right the first time you fall in love it's 211 the first time you you break up with someone it's 211 oh for sure yeah everything is so huge and you're you're not looking five feet in front of your face because everything is just of that moment yeah some deep stuff going on with lila star and we will be right back after these commercial breaks with our ratings and stay tuned it's getting deep in here you need some boots <laughs> strange by nature your guide to the strange weird unbelievable and improbable wonders of the natural world they make the sound by vigorously rubbing their penis on their abdomen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. Then at night, they come out and crawl around your face and mate with each other. Oh. Oh. But Victoria, get this. I would like to sleep tonight. As naturalists, let's face it. We find something dead. We go and we poke it with a stick. I did that with the That's deer what, like three weeks ago. As you do. 
Rachel, Rachel, no, no, no. You weren't paying attention. Blood and mucus. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> All um, right. This episode is going off the rails. This is the quality oh, content people come here for. <laughs> Strange by Nature podcast was chosen as one of the best science podcasts of 2021. Come join the fun wherever you find your podcasts. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our ratings. Yes, it is the Christmas and holiday season, and we're going to unpack some ratings for you. Jay is going to give us a present. It's a one out of four scale, like he oftentimes does. Hopefully, we won't regift it. But yeah, what is what is our, our rating scale this week? Well, this was the many deaths of Lila Star, so it goes to say, how many deaths are you giving this book? Right. More deaths does not mean bad things, because obviously every time Lila Star dies, she learns something when she comes back. So yeah, well, wouldn't that be nice though if you could like learn if somebody something? death? Well, no, like if you could die and then come back and then be like, oh, I'll load up my save game. And that make sure that I, I jump this time. Well, I'm sure Chad will agree. He, he he probably died a little bit after watching Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Dawn of Justice. <laughs> Not as much as Man of Steel. There you yeah. go. All right. Well, Chad's going to go first. How many deaths are you giving this, Chad? This is a challenge because the art is beautiful. The story is a fine, fine story. Uh, and my biggest problem I have with it is that Rom V is cooler than me, and I don't like it! <laughs> so, as a result, I'm going to give him a, uh, a 2.75. Because, at the end of the day, I don't know how satisfied I was with this story. And the worst part is, and we'll get to this in recommendations, it just kept reminding me of other stories that have like similar themes or similar veins that I like so much better. Like, there are lines in here that are just too cool for school like when the one girl is breaking up with darius and she's like life's too short to live without a broken heart like shut the fuck up <laughs> like there's just so many parts of this book that just made me rub me the wrong way so uh while it's a quality work i'm sticking with 2.75 deaths that uh, we could all learn from and hopefully find something better on the other side yeah. I mean, isn't this in some ways like almost the same story as uh, what Daybreaker or whatever? Or Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was I was wondering if that might be a recommendation around the corner cuz that has people dying and then coming back and telling stories anyways. I'll go next since this was Jay's book, he can go last. I'm also going to give it slightly higher, like a 2.85. Tenth of a percentile, but still a little bit closer to a three than a two. I do agree with Chad. I, I found this pretentious at times, but there were some issues I really loved. I think it had a lot of promise to it in terms of issue one and two. I really enjoyed those. By issue three, where Darius starts becoming a teenager and a douchebag, and that whole thing with the cigarette, I was just like, I don't got any time for this. And the fact that she keeps dying at the end, but she's the only person dying, I'm like, ah. As I mentioned before, I think God's just screwing with her, uh, trying to teach her a lesson. And I st I mean, I get the last issue, but then I don't get the last issue. Something about this just seemed it was an Eisner nominee book. This is like going and seeing the piano when really you just wanted to watch another episode of the Fast and Furious franchise. Right? I just wanted to be entertained, and I don't know if I was in the mood this holiday season for a book this deep. So maybe it just hit me at the wrong time. But J.A., 
did broaden my horizons, and I appreciate that. And I like the fact that it, it was not based in America. Like, that was the nicest thing about this entire book, was I was actually getting a different culture and a different way that they look at death, and not like a god that looked like the god that I knew, but, you know, the, the god with the multi-faces and kind of more well, of many a, gods, not just one. That's yeah. God of life is different than the god that fired her. Right. So I appreciate the fact that it opened my mind to that kind of thing. But yeah. Jay, what did you think? Let me put my cigarette out, turn <laughs> off my John Coltrane, A Love Supreme, that's playing in the background, because uh-huh. me and Rob V are hanging out talking philosophy. You guys are both wrong. You're just <laughs> wrong on this. I'm sorry. I was actually going to give it like a 3.75. I didn't think it was quite a four book, but you guys skewed so low that I have to go for just so the average comes up because <laughs> you're wrong on it. Everyone should read it. It definitely was an Eisner contender. The art is beautiful. The writing is witty and careful. The ending actually made me choke up a little bit. It's a very nice miniseries five issues run it's just enough it's not giving you too much it's not padding it takes you through this man's life darius's life as told by lila star and and the many deaths and i will point out andrew you're wrong every time she dies somebody else has died previous to her and then she dies and restarts the next book essentially yeah but she's the only person that dies in that fire and then she's the only no she no the, the, no she, she died in the temple when the temple collapses. Yes, because the temple was a uh, around, and then when the old man died, yeah, the, then the temple collapsed. The caretaker died, then the temple collapsed on her. She just happened to be in it. Yes, yeah, that's because why I the think caretaker it still might be a Fight Club. <laughs> caretaker, the caretaker died. So it's I'm okay. giving it. I am giving it four deaths. Okay, that's fine. I, I knew that you were going to. I will say, it, it, it does remind me a lot of a J.A. A J.A. movie selection, a J.A. book. And it's fine. Yeah, what's wrong with the piano? There's I, nothing I, wrong with the piano. There's nothing wrong. You're right. You just don't like har- seeing Harvey Keitel's jump. <laughs> you anybody? Do expand our minds. You do challenge us as readers, J.A., so I appreciate that. And hopefully we challenge your mind here this holiday season with our recommendations. Yes, it's this time of this show where we can give you some last-minute Christmas gifts that you might want to pick up for one of those comic book lovers in your life. Get out to your local comic book shop. Support those local businesses. Pick up some of the great books today for somebody in your life that loves the funny books. So, yeah, uh, we're going to go ahead and start off with J.A. J.A., do you have another book that uh, will expand our minds? I hope so. I am recommending Mooncakes by Wendy Shu, Suzanne Walker, and Jomet Gill. Uh, this came out in 2019. Uh, you can get it in paperback or uh, available on Comixology. It's a graphic novel. And it essentially, it's the story of love and demons and a family that's got witchcraft in New England. This girl is growing up as she works in her grandmother's bookshop that has this special back room where you can get the the special books. And somebody comes in and asking for like this occult analysis book and they open up the back room and and, like there there are books that are flying because it's a book on like witchcraft and flying. One of those rooms? (laughs) 
no, not Does one of those. Braided, the braided beads? No, I, I can't. <laughs> so she she goes up on the ladder to, to grab the book, and the book next to her starts biting her. She's like, stop that! <laughs> and uh, so then she finds out that there's a white wolf that's been spotted in the woods, and she finds out that this is her friend who is growing up and, you know, a uh, former lover. And so their feelings are rekindled against this witchcraft. And there's there's some dark forces in the woods that are attacking and they need to fight it. And it's just it's like a heartwarming tale. It's beautifully told. It's New England in the fall. So you get these beautiful colors. And um, not unlike the many deaths of Lila Star, a nice compact single story as opposed to needing to know this massive mythology of of stuff that came before it or or a giant sprawling universe so for those who are less inclined to the hero stuff or just need a break from the mcu the dcu marvel dc i recommend mooncakes okay yeah and the, the art is a little bit i would use the word quirky which is nice. Like, it's different. It, I don't think you're going to get that particular type a- anywhere else. Speaking of great books with interesting art, my recommendation this week is another one of those books that's adapted into a comic book. Like, we've talked about that a lot on our show. It's something that we really love to do because, again, I feel like it opens up that comic book tent to so many other folks that don't know that the illustrated medium is a wonderful way to get some of these great stories. Again, whether you go back and revisit our, our reviews of you know, Slaughterhouse-Five or 1984 or Dune, House Atreides, which yes. is another great one. Probably the best version of that piece yeah. of novel. As opposed uh, to The Star Wars. <laughs> right. But this particular selection goes way back to the roots of that idea. Back in the 1950s, the comic book legend Harvey Kurtzman, uh, who you might know as one of the creative forces behind Mad Magazine. Uh, Some people say it was Bill Gaines. Other people just give all of the credit to Harvey Kurtzman because he was the editor. But long story short, Harvey had a lot to do with Mad Magazine getting off the ground, as well as other great war books like uh, Two-Fisted Tales, which is great. If you ever have an opportunity to track down some Two-Fisted Tales EC collections in in hardback, I really uh, recommend that. But Kurtzman wanted to branch out into doing real graphic novels at a time in the 1950s where comic books were still looked as something for kids or in fact actually as something that was almost un-american we're talking about about the time that seduction of the innocent came out but that did not deter kurtzman from drawing a ton of thumbnails for his adaptation of a christmas carol Uh, he wanted to take the charles dickens classic and make it into a real book the drawings and 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 so forth that he could then put out in real bookstores uh he couldn't find anybody that was a backer for it and long story short it fell apart and he died many years later without that dream being fulfilled luckily for us though nowadays there are tons of ways that you can get graphic novels and given that there are folks that want to read them comiXology originals put out an adaptation of his original vision. So you can get 
a great book called Marley's Ghost, which is based on the original Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens and adapted by Harvey Kurtzman. Uh, it was an Eisner Award winner, although it's not all of Kurtzman's art. It was based on all of his original drawings, and it was basically done by Gideon Kendall, Josh O'Neill, and Shannon Wheeler using Kurtzman's original thumbnails as the creative inspiration. It's almost like they filled in the blanks, you know, like one of those things where it's like a lost novel and they came in and they finished it. But if you're a fan of The Christmas Carol, which, again, this holiday season, you might be watching those movies. I know my dad was a huge, huge fan. He tried to watch every single adaptation of A Christmas Carol he could find because he just loved that story. And it's so timeless with Scrooge learning to be not so much a miser and, and finding the goodwill and peace of men in his heart. And it's a wonderful adaptation in comic book form. It's probably the best one that I've ever read. So if you have an opportunity to track down Marley's Ghost, I would highly recommend it. Chad? Okay, so in the spirit of Lila Starr, who dies and keeps coming back and learning, I'm going to take some recommendations that I've given out before. <laughs> They're going to come back, and then we're going to keep learning. You're great gifting! You are yeah, sure. gifting, sir! So anyway... <laughs> Call a spade a spade. You are giving us old gifts. They're just as good. So if you enjoyed the Philippe Andrade-ness of this story, I recommend you go back to the What If, which we did a show on. The What If Magic Became Sorcerer Supreme, which spilled over into Doctor Strange The End for some wonderful Philippe Andrade art. And a really touching story about magic basically taking over that portion of the Marvel Universe from Doctor Strange there. If you are into stories where death helps people to learn things, another book I've recommended is uh, Gil Amarch's Carmen, which uh, deals with some heavy themes uh, where there's a young lady who uh, commits suicide and then is accompanied by death, and she goes and learns all these different lessons, Christmas Carol style, but it has some beautiful art. Warning, in addition to the themes, the rest of it is, you know, there's lots of nudity and things that aren't for the kids in that one. But Carmen was a beautiful work that I thought dealt with some of those themes really well. And then uh, finally, the big one, and this is something I know I've recommended before, and I'm going to try to get us to make a show about it, is uh, Moon and Boz Day Tripper, which Andy alluded to earlier. Day Tripper is what the many deaths of Lila Star wants to be. It is poetic. It is beautiful. You know, it has the lessons learned. And just in such a way, it's... It's a 10-issue series that came out of Vertigo, and it is just some of the best comic booking. And so I highly recommend that for anybody that if you think you, you enjoyed The Many Deaths of Lila Star, you owe it to yourself to check out Day Tripper, which does involve uh, someone dying and over and over again. And yeah, there's, there's actual metaphors and stuff in this one, though. It's, it's, it's a lot better in my mind. Uh... Well, that will be my Christmas gift to you, Chad. In 2023, I promise that we will take one of our wonderful 52 weeks to cover Day Tripper on this show. So that is my promise to you. So make sure that you're tuning in next year. And you can do that by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Terrific place where you can rate review and subscribe so you don't miss any of our shows in 2023 because we are going to be around for another year folks 
We've got all these great books lined up. You want to know some of the books we got lined up in the month of January? We've got Tom King and uh, Mitch Jarrod's Mr. Miracle. We've got The Department of Truth by James Tinney and the Fourth. We've got Pulp by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. And just tons more. You know, those are just that's just a sampling of some of the great stuff that we got coming up for you just after the new year. So make sure that you're out there. Rate, review, and subscribe. And if you like us, give us a Christmas gift this year by leaving some kind words. Again, you don't have to say it in, in terms of a review or a five-star or whatever. Just say some nice things. And, and how can they find us in order to leave us some of those nice things, Chad? Well, they can find us on the socials at Last Comic Shop, where you can interact with us. You can help spread the word about the show. You can also find some of those Golden Age covers to tuck in at night. You can find the weekly polls that Jay puts up. You can find what books we're recommending and what books we bought at the comic shop that particular week. But uh, all that and more is at Last Comic Shop on Twitter and Instagram. And if you need help finding that, you can always go back to home base at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com where they can find what else, J.A.? Well, we have a link to our merch store if you have any last-minute needs for your comic-loving friends or family members. Check out our merch store. We've got shirts, we've got tote bags, coffee mugs, our special Christmas version of the Last Comic Shop t-shirt logo with Santa Claus and some reindeer and a Christmas star in the sky. And we always recommend never go wrong with heather green heather red heather we're big fans of the heather t-shirt here heather locklear heathers heather graham she was the best part of swingers (laughs) so money she doesn't even know it that's That's right yeah so you can find stuff on the website and while we may be the last comic shop podcast we hope you need uh, we don't actually want to be the last comic shop so we encourage everybody to get out there find a shop near you where you can find things like moon cakes in case you love demons and New England. Or maybe you want to go online to Comixology for some of their originals, like Marley's Ghost, which fulfills Harvey Kurtzman's dream of covering some of the Christmas Carol themes. Or maybe you want some of those recommendations I gave that just keep coming back. Things like Carmen. Things like What If Magic Became Sorcerer Supreme and Doctor Strange the End. Or uh, Day Tripper. All of that and more potentially waits for you at your local comic shop, so make sure you check it out. All right. And until next week, when we have our Christmas show, that's right, the holiday season, and so we've got a Christmas show and then a New Year's show and our oh, our big New Year's wrap-up. Chad's, he's been crunching the numbers, so make oh, sure... crap. I hope <laughs> you haven't been... Oh, man. Well, you got you start getting work on that. You got two weeks, buddy. Until then, I'm the host with the most, Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. And remember to stay safe, stay festive, and always remember to put bourbon in your eggnog this holiday season. That's right, because the bourbon helps kill all that raw egg stuff. If you're making the eggnog from scratch... They yeah. assume everyone is doing, Who right? Who does that? They sell it in a jug at the store. You just go and you buy the jug and then you add liquor to it. You don't want to get sick at work and then taxes gets to take your corner office. <laughs> mm.
The Last Comic Shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.